0: back to Unleashing Torah. We are excited to talk with you today about the Torah portion Tetzaveh. We are so happy to have Michael Max with us here today. He's going to share the most important tidbits of this week's Torah portion and some very insightful passages that hopefully we can take from the portion and actually use this wisdom in our actual daily lives to face challenges and Receive more goodness, more fulfillment, and more joy from this week. So, thank you for being with us today, Rabbi Max. My pleasure. And what do you think is the first most important point to hit on when discussing this week's Torah portion?
1: Yeah, so there's a few points I'd like to bring out. Let's do one at a time. So, uh, one of them. So, the Parsha talks about the... Uh, the aspects of the Mishkan, which was the tabernacle, which is a weak English translation. I don't know how many people know what a tabernacle is, but it was basically a traveling temple, a a temporary temple that they would dismantle and carry with them. Every stop they made inside the desert when they were walking through for 40 years. Uh, They also used it after they entered the land of Israel. Anyway, that's not the point, but... Uh, One of the things that the Parsha describes that was done in the temple was they burned this mysterious spice called the kitoris, the spice. And so it's interesting when you picture the ambiance inside the temple, when people would go in, what would they feel? What would they see? You can kind of put yourself in their shoes. It was kind of like a, a almost like a hippie party, so to speak, because they had the, the Levites singing. That was their job back then. The, the Levites would, would sing and play instruments. So there'd be constant music with pleasant voices going on. And there was a really nice smell of this, this Ketoresh. So the Talmud tells us that this smell, which in Hebrew, again, is Katores which is made of these 11 spices, uh something miraculous happened where even though this was lit in the future temple, this was lit in Jerusalem and burned all the way inside of the building. The scent of that ketores, of the incense, traveled all the way to the city of Jericho, Yericho, in the north of Israel. And it says that the women there didn't even need to wear perfume because they smelled good from the so one of the lessons we learned from here, Moshe Feinstein points out that we learned an important lesson for life from here, which is that you shouldn't feel that you have to become a famous influencer, you know, a celebrity in order to be able to make an impact in this world. Even something that you do in the privacy of your home can have a, 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 a gigantic impact uh, on an, in another part of the world, on people that you have never even met, right? So that's just one, one good idea that comes from the... From the Torah And we know that's true practically if you think about it I mean there's the, the law of six or whatever it's called That there's six degrees of separation between every human being on this earth Wow So let's say I know a hundred people They know a hundred people Quickly everybody I know I, You know six degrees away from me I can reach into millions or billions of people Whatever the numbers are But um, And so one little change in myself, let's say I I do something that makes me smile more. And then that impacts 30 people I see today. And that impacts 30 people that each of them see that day. Like you never know the butterfly effects of the things that you do for yourself or for your family or your friends or anybody in the privacy of your own home.
0: Wow, I really love that. So even when people think like, oh, this act of sharing to my spouse it's completely not related to my problems that are going on at work or oh this what i'm going to do something kind for my child right now but it's ultimately not going to change that much right this is really standing in contrast to that
1: yeah exactly uh yeah there was one rabbi rabbi aaron Lichtenstein, who was a famous rabbi in his time he passed away now but he's <clears throat> he was once interviewed and someone asked him what the greatest accomplishment of his life was. And he had many students, he'd written many books, he'd traveled across the world, spoken, taught at many different institutions, and he said by far his greatest accomplishment, the thing he's most proud of in life is uh, the kids that he raised. So just uh, another example of this idea. Okay. Wow. Another idea that's good is that, well, so one of, the, one of the ingredients he used in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle again, was olive oil. So we learned an important lesson from olive oil. Why? Why were olives and olive oil chosen to be used out of all things? What they would do is that they would crush the the olives. Get they would you know originally buy fresh almonds, olives, not almonds. Uh, crush them and then they would use the oil for part of the service in the. In they would anoint people with it by putting some of it on their head. They would burn some of it on some of the altars. They would use olive oil, and so what is olive? Oil represent. olive oil represents something else interesting which is taught in the gemara which is that there are three ways to really get to know a person you know how do you know when you meet someone if they're really a good person or how do you really know a person's character so the gemara says that there's three tests that a person could pass which will let you know that they're truly of good character and they're called in Hebrew, Koso, Kaso, and Kiso. I think we might have spoken about it on a previous podcast. But Koso is their cup, how they are when they're drunk. Are they still a nice, good, moral person when they're drunk? Or are they all of a sudden a different person? Uh, Kaso is in their anger, you know, when someone's pushed against the wall and things are going tough. Are they still a good person or do they all, all automatically have a shift when things are tough? And then the third one is Kiso. Which is their money How they are with their money Are they, you know, are they giving charity Are they responsible with their money right? So those are the three tests of, of a person's character When they drink alcohol How they are with their money And how they are when they're angry So olives represent olive oil represents olives when they're smushed when they're squished when their back is against the wall it's the example of anger anger is when you squeeze a person and then like kind of really see okay like you put them down and then how are they gonna act now
0: right or when they're super stressed for any reason exactly
1: yes yeah, stressed angry and so what what happens there so olive oil beautiful oil even better than olives themselves you have this great oil and so and, and that emerges in the time of anger in the time of being squished under pressure. Under pressure, exactly. And so I guess diamonds could also be an example of that. Yeah. And, and there were actually diamonds as part, as part of the Mishkan as well because in the Kohain's breastplate, he had 12 stones. I have over there, like, someone did research to discover what exactly those stones were, and uh, one of them was a diamond, so that could be part of the reason that was there too. Uh, and that, again, teaches us the lesson that we should... Uh, that we should, you know, be able to not only look at others this way, but look at ourselves and make sure that we're passing all of these tests: uh, the the Koso, the drinking, the Caso. Well, not saying we should get drunk just to test this, but Caso, the anger test, and the Kiso, how we are with the money. And if we're slacking, then we could kind of pick it up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That really, that really provides a great framework for self evaluation. How am I? What are my spending habits like? Am I giving enough? Am I tithing enough? What are, how am I when I'm overwhelmed and under pressure at home or at work? And how am I when I'm drunk?
1: Exactly. I yeah.
0: really, really like that.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah, should we, should we give a cu- another couple
0: of Yeah, let's hear some more about this week's Torah portion, Sitzvah.
1: Sitzvah, sure, yeah. Okay, so another idea, which is very practical, is about the table, our kitchen table. And that is... That we have a, a Kabbalistic source that says that the kitchen table is analogous to the altar in the, in the temple. And so, therefore, there's a certain amount of degree of respect which is due to the table. And so it's... To our kitchen table. To the kitchen table, uh, which we eat upon, right? Because uh, in the temple, the altars were used to burn sacrifices... And those were, in a sense, eaten by God. And so we're, that's God's table, and this is our table, and so we're supposed to treat ours with a sense of respect. And so therefore, it says in halacha that you're not supposed to kill a bug that's on your kitchen table. So you should try to flick it off before killing it. Uh, but then the question is asked, what happens if it's going to get in your food? Are, you, are there any exceptions to this? To this? Never kill a bug? Not supposed to kill a bug while okay. it's on your kitchen table. Okay. Because it's because it, part of the respect that's due to your table is that you shouldn't kill creatures. Where is creatures this found
0: it. in the Torah?
1: This is in Halacha. It's found in the Sharitzion and in the in Sefer this week? in the Chassidim.
0: In this week's portion?
1: Uh, it's not specifically commenting in this week's portion, but it's it's related to the portion because the portion talks about the altar, and this is and this teaching compares mm-hmm. the table to the altar. Okay. Right, and so. Uh, what if the you have a bug on your table that's gonna get in your food? That's the question that some asked. And the answer is it might be intuitive, of course you're allowed to kill it, but the answer is yes, you're allowed to kill it if it's gonna get into your food on the table. Because if you look in Tanakh, there's a story one of the stories is that King Solomon uh tells his commander to kill the enemy's commander, and he ends up killing him on top of the actual altar inside of the temple so th- that was obviously necessary for war purposes, but what the lesson that we see from there is that is that you can clearly uh violate the respect of the altar if there's a higher purpose and so th- in that case, it was war, but in this case it's a bug get- getting into your food, so you're allowed to you're allowed to kill it
0: what do you think what do you think practically our listeners can take from that story?
1: I think that people should just realize to 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 treat their their table with respect and Treating your table with respect, ultimately treating, means selecting food that respects your body, right? Like, why, why should we treat our kitchen table with respect? Because what we're doing, eating, doesn't have to be a purely animalistic ritual where we just kind of just stuff our faces and... Right. You know, but if, we, if we're careful about what type of food we eat and we say blessings before we eat... Right. And we, do, we, we create a lot more respect for God and for ourselves around the eating process then that will ultimately be for our own good.
0: Because our respecting our own kitchen table is similar to respecting God by respecting his altar. Yeah.
1: And, okay. we're, and we're all, we all have a piece of God within us. You know, man was created by God blowing a portion of himself, as it were, into his nostril. Mm-hmm. And so we're, all, we're created by Selma, Luke, in God's image. Mm-hmm. And so we should try to emulate him and sanctify our eating.
0: So this means practically buying healthy foods being conscious of the nutrient density levels in all of our food that we're eating, trying to make our eating an experience where we have blessings before and after. And we're, we're not covering our kitchen table is in paperwork and in work computers and stuff, but we're actually reserving this as a sanctified place for God to rest at the altar at our kitchen tables.
1: Yeah. And we actually, that's also the reason why we have salt on Friday night and on Shabbos, you know, if you've been to a Shabbos meal, you know that we a lot of people dip their challah in salt or pour salt on top of it. And the reason there's salt is because back in the, t- in the temple, there were also salt that was sprinkled on top of the sacrifices on top of the altar on the mizbech. Mm-hmm. And so, just like on that table, they had the salt sotah on our table. That's the reason why we do it on on Shabbos. Specifically. What is the
0: significance? What is the significance of the salt?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So. There's another passage in the Torah that says that you should use you should use salt and you shouldn't use and you shouldn't use um, honey. Or is it the reverse? I think it's that you should use salt and not honey Um, might be the reverse. But 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 either way, the lesson that's learned from there is that one of those two, I think I think you're supposed to use salt and not honey because honey changes the taste of the thing that you put it on. Whereas salt just brings out the natural taste of the thing oh. that you put it on. And so salt, the idea is that we're not supposed to, in life in general, we're not supposed to try to, we're not supposed to be somebody that we're not, you know, not supposed to try to put on a facade. We should try to do the most in life we can to bring out our truest selves. And that's ultimately our purpose in life is to is self-realization.
0: So what is the purpose though of the salt?
1: So salt is just something that re- is representative of that bigger deal. It's meant to be a reminder to us
0: on Shabbos. On
1: Shabbos, on yeah. Our tables, yeah. On Shabbos is a time of reflection. So Shabbos, we put salt, just like salt in the in the temple was meant was used as something that brings out the natural flavor of the meat. So too, salt is used on our table to bring out the natural flavor of the challah or whatever we put it on, and that's meant to ultimately remind us that we should be using salt in our own lives and not honey in the sense that we should always remember that, that our goal here is to bring out our goal here in this world is to, is to self actualize and to
0: bring out our God given gifts that we've come to use towards fulfilling our potential in this world. Yeah, not to recreate not to reinvent ourselves, become somebody we're not and put on a show and to take off our masks because we know deep down we are made in the image of God God is our maker and he is perfect. So he created us perfect. And if we just bring out and amplify our gifts, then we can experience more fulfillment.
1: Yeah. I think it's true.
0: I definitely think it's true. Yeah. I feel like a lot of us have to go through challenges in order to actualize our gifts that that God gave us in the form of facing our fears and being uncomfortable, getting outside of ourselves, and getting outside of our comfort zone, and so I, I think that fear is really a green light when it comes to like thinking, oh, am I using my talents? Am I using my gifts? Looking to where am I afraid in in my life? In what areas? Those are, I think are the areas that we're not using our gifts.
1: Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. It, it, I was just listening to a podcast with Joe Rogan in and interviewing Elon Musk. And very interesting interviews, uh, super genius, interesting to listen to. He asked him a lot of questions throughout those interviews that we think about a lot, like, uh, is it a problem to put your phone in your pocket, or do you have to worry about the radiation affecting your health? (laughs) All kinds of interesting questions like that. And he said you don't have to worry about that radiation at all, which is interesting and good to know. But one of the things he asked him is, what do you think is the meaning of life? Joe Rogan asked Elon Musk. And Elon Musk said that he thinks that the meaning of life is to ask yourself the question, what is the meaning in life? And like live your life to be able to answer that, how that, like that question for you. In other words, it's like a personal question for each person. And life itself is a process for each person of answering that question, what's the purpose of my life? And that's kind of like another way of bringing out, of using salt to bring out, like, what is the purpose of my life and constantly asking ourselves that question.
0: Wow. I like that. So in general, what do you think is the biggest takeaway from this week's Torah portion <laughs> that we can use towards unlocking more blessings and getting to our next level? Because this month, this is a this is a positive month, right? This is the month of miracles and intuition and signs from God. So what do you think about that?
1: Uh, yeah, there's another idea that I could answer that question that I think is really helpful, which is about forgiveness um, and forgiving people. Because uh, a lot of the sacrifices that were brought in the temple were done for the purposes of forgiveness. Okay. And, and so the topic of forgiveness comes up, uh, comes up here. And, uh, and like one of the things that's done in Jewish tradition is before going to bed every night, people say Shema, a paragraph of a Shema, and they say a whole host of other blessings. Not everyone does it, but it is in the text of the Siddur you're supposed to do before you ever you before you go to bed every night and one of the things in that paragraph and in, in, in that set of prayers is a statement that i forgive everybody who's wronged me and so really every night before you go to bed according to tradition you're supposed to just let out this great uh, feeling of forgiveness towards everybody so uh, i think that's a very useful idea because what, what how does that saying go you know resentment is when you want the other person to die, but you're drinking the poison, you know usually when we're bear- holding resentment against another person, it's really only hurting us because the other person's not even aware at all about the fact that they hurt us, but it's really only on us, and so it's really it's really for our own benefit to forgive people as much as we can, no matter how hard that is.
0: And that relates to this week's Torah portion how?
1: Oh, uh, because sacrifices that were brought in the right. in the temple that are described are brought for the purpose of attaining forgiveness.
0: So would you make the claim that this week is a powerful week to practice forgiveness and actually let go of hurt that we may be carrying around in our hearts?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. So I actually have some tactical action steps that we can take this week to practice forgiveness. Um, first... It could be very helpful and very powerful and cleansing to write a letter forgiving somebody who has wronged you in your life and not holding anything back in this letter. Write a letter to the person who hurt you for what they did, how they made you feel, and then write a letter to yourself because a lot of us need to, all of us need to practice self-forgiveness where we forgive ourselves for the mistakes we've made along the way, quote unquote mistakes and ultimately come to a place of loving ourselves even more and when we forgive ourselves and when we forgive others we're clearing our vessel to welcome in all the new opportunities and new blessings that are waiting for us this month i am very excited about this month it's a very positive month And I encourage everybody to write these letters of forgiveness this week for you and for other people in your life who have hurt you so that you can really let go. Maybe you burn these letters. That's a powerful experience to have. Mm. And um, you just... And maybe you... Burn these letters, burn some sage, because sage is known for cleansing your space, and take a shower or take a bath or go to a mikvah if you can. A mikvah would be amazing, because you're ultimately signaling that you're letting go of whatever hurt that you were carrying around in your heart, and you're ready to welcome in new opportunities. Yeah,
1: didn't Abraham Lincoln do that? Do what? He used to write letters... Uh, Anger, let angry letters towards and him.
0: never send them. And never
1: send them, right? Then, but he didn't burn them, so people discovered them like a hundred years later in his drawer. <laughs> after you, you know.
0: Okay, so maybe don't burn them on the off chance that you become very famous and <laughs> run for president. <laughs> but that's all for us this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Torah. We hope you got something out of the show. If you did. Be sure to rate this podcast five stars and subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Unleashing Torah Podcast. And write to our email.
1: UnleashingTorah at gmail.com
0: With what you want to see next week. Bye, everybody.